Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, this is Liza and I am back. Boy, we got we got some stories to tell. But yeah. before we yeah. get into it, let's say who else is with us. And you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this too. To introduce this next person, I'm also gonna say big thanks for running the show and doing a great job it's knock hey what's up uh alexa play toto by africa for 10 hours straight <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying look if you've had a few drinks and that song comes on and you don't attempt to half sing it you're probably dead on the inside is what I'm saying. <laughs> that's right oh god <laughs> and also i know uh he really helped out and helping keeping things going and making sure the emails got read it's bagel valve adjustments count as self-care for motorcyclists this is true good one mm-hmm. well when you count when you count Knox valve adjustments I care, that, I care every day around 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I should like make a drink called the valve adjustment because I got all kinds of booze at home. You know, yeah, it's probably black and has a bunch of oil in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as it gets you running right. You just yeah. got to burn a bunch of olive oil. Yeah, I got a lot of coffee liqueur floating around here too. So um, I'm gonna say maybe some tequila with chocolate syrup, uh, lime, mm. and a cherry. We could try that. That doesn't sound horrible, actually. Really, I tried to make it sound horrible. I mean, it's all horrible to me. <laughs> You're like Dimetap, yeah. cough syrup, creme de menthe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A well, lactate. and then. Yeah. Also, uh, I'll say a big thanks uh, for helping uh, fill in the empty seats. It's Charlie. My motorcycle gets safer every week. <laughs> Yay. Dude, the sometimes st- more dangerous. The stories we were hearing from the, the past podcast, you and your tires and your brakes. I had a bad week. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, yeah. I'm going to say big thanks for letting me fart on him for two weeks. It's nah. Naked Jim. Uh, happy to repay the favor, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yippee-ki-yay, son. It was a good couple of weeks. There's some cows out there. I'll tell you what. This country is full of cows, son. Yeah. So uh, if you've been following, Jim and I just got back from our two-week road trip, uh, dirt biking around the country, and uh, it was it was good. Everything yeah, was, was good. Super good. Yeah, surprisingly good. We didn't kill each other. We didn't die. We almost died a couple of times. I think I killed a squirrel. Yeah, uh, well, a squirrel-like creature almost killed you. <laughs> yeah, there was that. There was some near-death experiences. Um, <clears throat> lessons learned. We got really good at it by the end. But let's just get into it. Um, so our goal was to, and we planned this months ago, to do a covid safe trip and so to do a covid safe we decided we're going to rent an rv and then tow our dirt bikes behind so that we can sleep and cook and 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 poo and everything in our self-contained unit hey knock sorry 
Can you mute, please? I'm going to do that. Thank you. Um, so we rented an RV from Cruise America, and there's a lot of different uh, companies to choose from. Like RV Share is one we were looking at, and that's where, like Airbnb, where you're renting someone's personal RV. But we went with a big corporate company because <clears throat> they have uh, more resources in case something goes wrong, like if you blow a tie or something like that. Jim, what'd you if think we of break it? it. Yeah. What'd yeah, you, what you think of the RV? I thought it was great. Yeah, we got it. We talked about it. And um, basically, like, if we break it, we just call them and hopefully get another one. That was a big decision. But I was pleasantly surprised. You know, we were we were one of those people in the <laughs> rental RV I mean, with, with the trailer on the back. Right? So I think we were, what, about 34 feet total, 35 feet total. Were you like allowed that. to do a trailer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. And um, it was a lot of fun. But every time we pulled out of somewhere, merging into traffic, we were just like, hey, watch out. Here comes the rental RV. But you it was know, great. It had 92,000 miles on it. Um, we ran the AC the whole time uh, <laughs> over high mountain passes, 100-degree weather. That thing ran like a boss. Built for yeah. tough. Yeah, full kitchen, full bathroom. Uh, the beds were on both ends of it, so we really couldn't hear each other, but we did develop a Morse code through jiggling, and, and it worked out great. So who yeah, did you the tank draining? Hmm? Who did the tank draining? <laughs> Dude, you had to bring that up right out the gate. I will, oh my god! I can tell you who Dude, yeah. the Don't first get on the tour bus. That's the, like part of the thing, the, isn't it? Like <laughs> the first one who pooped in the toilet was responsible. Yeah, had I known the PTSD I got, um, I would not have pooped first. <laughs> so yeah, I got the uh, the fun end of the hose. It was not. It was not pleasant. Um, I, I I screamed. I think at one point. Yes, you oh, did. No. I had to go crashing through bushes. <clears throat> it was. Um, <laughs> I, I tried to explain to Liza, I don't think we have enough fall from this pipe to that pipe, which we didn't, which means you have a 15-foot long hose full of poop. Anyway, oh, no. Glad you asked, Knock. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. great. That was the fun part. You just got you to do like the fire hose, but with shit. Yeah, it's a poop tube. It was funny. It was funny. But no, I, I tell you what, we, we stopped at a variety of different places, and we learned a lot, actually, right, right Liza? Mm-hmm. We could stay everywhere from a... KOA to a private park to parking lot. Yeah, and to... exactly. And this is some of the tips. Hey, Jim, why don't we just talk about great places to stay that we found? Let's start with that. Okay. So if that you're going to travel by RV, which is a great safe way to travel now, and you can take a trailer to take your bikes, um, you have a lot of different options. What we found in general was that all of the like RV campgrounds, a lot of them were full up because everyone had the same idea. There's a lot of people out traveling. Um, and the reason you want to go to an RV site when you can is you're going to have a water hookup, electric hookup to run your AC all night, and uh, oftentimes a sewage dump so you're not filling up your tank. Um, <clears throat> but we found some alternatives that worked out right. great. We were, we were kind of forced to, right? Because we would look at a, we were kind of, the whole trip we just played by ear basically we had a rough idea of where we wanted to go and maybe when we got there but we kept it wide open so a lot of times we we're booking last minute um so a lot of the places that you would the, the top five on google would be very full but then all of a sudden well we, we did the old walmart parking lot right we did it uh, a couple of times yeah so walmart has a policy that they welcome rvs into their parking lot uh overnight they said they actually appreciate the the you know the the community and uh yeah the second time we did it there was like 20 rvs out there it was like people sitting out it's like a community yeah that was in cody wyoming and it was Mm -hmm. beautiful we had this awesome view of the kind of the mesas and the sky Um, did you get um did you get roped into underground boxing rings and stuff with those gypsy travelers (laughs) 
No, but uh, no, but I know that you would if you were with us. Uh, so yeah, the Kmart's was great, and then another one we found Walmart. that was oh, sorry Walmart. The other one we found that was really awesome, Jim. Yeah, it was actually well. There's two I'll say, and they're both somewhat public. One is a count. Don't forget about county and state campgrounds. We went by some of those because they don't pop up on the list necessarily, and they had open spots and they were beautiful trees and grass. So don't forget about county, state, etc. But the 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 jewel was the Twin Falls County Fairground. Yeah, <clears throat> we got turned around at Shoshone Falls. Was Shoshone. It? Yeah, and uh, they said ah, full up, which we kind of had a feeling it might be, but like screw it, the sign said full. So what did Liza say? Oh, let's go anyway. <laughs> and it turned out for the best. That was another lesson learned: <clears throat> is like just show up and then just go and talk to people, right, Liza? Talk to people. That's our big thing too, and that's a big lesson we want to share with everyone: talk to local people. They have. They love to share information. Yes, exactly. They only shoot at you every like one out of ten times. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, the, the, the heartland of this country, you know, we went Utah to Colorado, what, South Dakota, Idaho, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. the, the heartland of this country, the people were just great. Um, very generous, nice, ro slow, relaxed. It, it was lovely. Yeah. So we got great advice from everybody and a good, a very dry, dry sense of humor, I'll say as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> county fairgrounds, it was really cheap, had water hookup, electric hookup, and was empty because there's no rodeo, no fair, no nothing. But they have all these hookups for when they have these big events. But, they're, but it was great. they were open. So that was Wide really open. nice. Especially yeah, because Jim and I got to go play in the, the shoots for the bulls, come through the shoots and then bursting out into the ring. Mm. It's fascinating, that whole system they have for getting the bulls out there. Um, yeah, Liza came back to the RV and she says, hey, I just went through the whole bull shoot thing. <laughs> and it was pretty fascinating. So we're going through all the gates opening and closing. It was like water. But yeah, it was fun to be on the fairground. Again, met a nice dude who knows, don't know what they were doing out there. But um, yeah, really cool. You know what I'm going to say? Those. <clears throat> if you're moto camping, that's also a great resource. I'm pretty sure they let you in for moto camping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was a great some great uh, lessons that we learned. We got real good at it by the end. And the uh, other nice thing about the RV, and we had planned this in COVID safe, is we cooked most of the time, mm -hmm. you know, because ever since the, the thing, I haven't been eating out. I can count on one hand probably maybe after this trip we lived it a little bit. But um, so most of our meals we cooked, you know, in the morning you could sit up a little, I had my Coleman two-burner stove and a cast iron uh, kind of grill thing. So we'd have pork chops and Brussels sprouts and, and pretty good meals. But then and we could I, also eat on the fly. And I'd like to clarify, when he says we cooked, he cooked, he cleaned. That was a deal. He did it all. I don't yes. mind. We had time. Mm -hmm. We had time. Nice. But it's a good yeah. way to travel. Again, very COVID safe. And you could pick and choose when you wanted to, to eat or not eat. And I was happy because everything he cooked was amazing. I know. It was a good one. It was good. And I look hot doing it, too. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of hot <clears throat> um we had you know loose plans not anything solid but our plan was first to go to southern utah lots of great riding there um that's where my family's from that's where i'm born so i knew of a lot of places we were thinking of spending a couple days there just riding around and exploring on these dirt roads that go over mesas and stuff nice. but then when you're in the 104 degree heat you kind of lose that excitement <laughs> mm. so yeah, but i was pretty excited from the beginning i mean we drove we, we were pretty excited we drove from santa cruz to what st george hurricane utah yeah exactly 
no small feat because we were just stoked. We blew by our first plan was Barstow, and we were like, we blew right through Barstow, right through Vegas. Yeah, and ended up there. And we woke. It was it was one of those things I told Liza. I love going new places at night, and then waking up in the morning and being surprised by what it all looks like. And sure enough, we stepped out the <laughs> the Chateau de Redneck and looked out, and it was these beautiful red cliffs and mesas and stuff you see like in, in magazines. Um, I'd never seen any of that stuff before. So yeah, we were stoked. So we loaded up. We cooked breakfast, loaded up pretty quick, and went down the road. And that was something else we kind of figured out. Liza, is where do you park? Like where mm-hmm. do you unload the bikes when you want to hop off and ride? smithsonian butte road that we rode around gooseberry mesa well and that's a nice thing about having street legal bikes there's oftentimes a lot of pullouts in places especially when you get into more remote places they're just pullouts on the side of the highway just random And something i realized a lot of it is for other recreational uses recreational uses a big one being horseback riding um whether recreational or cowboys there's a lot of cows and cowboys in this country but yeah like liza said there's a lot of just easy access off the side of the road yeah so that first day i was really excited to show him uh some cool stuff that i knew about near zion again i spend a lot of time there and uh there's some really cool things so i first stop uh, we unloaded the bikes and hit hit the dirt right away um we parked in rockdale which is a little town leading into zion uh or rock yeah rockville yeah and uh right away we go down the dirt and then uh there is a really cool old cemetery we're not talking grass we're talking desert ground we're talking mounds and we're also talking about wooden grave markers from the 1860s that are still read- readable Mm-hmm. And a yeah, lot of them, American Indian, wow. yeah, Native American. Some of them are Native Americans, but also some of them say killed by Indians. In a way, it's so in the ground was so hard. That's why they bury. They're they're like mounds. They're not in the ground. There's mounds, and then like a stone marker or a wood marker. Uh, it's a trip. Yeah, yeah. I, I could jump about three of them. I got going fast enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. So we well, went no. to this this cool old graveyard and then we went uh continue down the road and you're going through these amazing like rock farm formations uh to a ghost town called grafton uh just has a couple old buildings farmhouses the old schoolhouse slash church it's been restored um but it's just cool to go off into the desert and to find these kind of remote cool things and then and um, see how yeah 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 go ahead. go ahead i was gonna see how hard these people lived you know it's like they mm-hmm. talk about the history of grafton and they discovered it. You know, a lot of this is the Mormon expansion, but they discovered it and then homesteaded for a few years. And then some crazy natural disaster comes. Oh, and then they were flooded out, killed half the town, and they moved to a different town. But you realize how, you know, the people that homesteaded across the West, how gnarly a life that was. Uh, and then we headed up over Smithsonian Butte, and it's a dirt road that goes up um, over this mesa, um, which is a place I've never been, but my whole life I've grown up there because I'm always in the back of the station wagon with family, that kind of stuff. So to be able to finally hit some of these roads that I've known about or seen on maps was cool. And it started out kind of gnarly, sandy, rocky, uphill, and there's like Jeeps coming up and stuff. Um, but then once you get up, it's pretty decent, maintained dirt roads, wouldn't you say, Jim? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just that one uphill was kind of a surprise. We're like, holy shit, is the whole thing going to be like this? It was just running up Jeep trails. But uh, yeah, then it was it was nice, maintained, you know, rock roads like everywhere else. It seems like. And uh, Jim was riding his uh, CRF 250. Uh-huh. And I, as a last minute decision, took my KLR 650, 
which a little bit heavier, had a little more trouble getting up that that sand and rocks, but did fine. Uh, then we went up, uh, as you go up Smithsonian Butte, we went on Gooseberry Mesa. And Gooseberry Mesa is actually uh, land that has been in my family for a couple, a few generations that my parents just sold like 10 years ago. Um, but up until that point had kind of been just a family place to visit. But in the last... 10 years, 15 years, it got discovered and became an uh, internationally known slick rock uh, mountain biking and really cool stuff. So we went up onto Gooseberry Mesa and your the views as you're looking down on these other mesas is amazing. And you can just see all these dirt roads all through the desert. You could spend a lot of time there, but we want to go back in like October. You know, it's dramatic. Yeah. Utah is just, it's dramatic. The mesas, the valleys, you know, I was looking out on contour maps before we rode out. I look at a, a bunch of different, you know, navigational aids and it looks like one thing on a contour map, but when you see it, Liza, you described it as like Mars or an alien mm-hmm. landscape. It's exactly what it looks like. It's just so dramatic. Yeah. Because it was so hot, we decided not to stay there. We, we checked off the rides that we wanted to do. Um, you know, we go over that mountain, you hit the highway circle back and uh, load it up. And got in the RV and went through Zion. If you haven't been through Zion, it is amazing. Uh, Jim, this was your first time seeing it, right? Yeah, seeing any of this stuff was my first time. Um, and Zion is a way, it's, it's all these rock formations. I don't know what kind of stuff, it's like melted rock and these designs. And like, it's like, if you were going to microdose on acid, Zion is the place to go. <laughs> uh, you know, and then all of a sudden there's a tunnel that's like a mile long and goes through a mountain. And it, but, but, Again, Zion, uh, the way the rocks are formed, the colors, uh, the roads themselves, really just crazy. Did yeah. you uh, guys ever get to areas where there were like petroglyphs and stuff, like old cave writings and kind of? Um, I've seen those um, before. I didn't take them to any of those. I think I've seen yeah. some in Babylon when I used to go hunting when I was a kid with the family. Mm-hmm. We'd find mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. It's all there. Um wow. <clears throat> That was it was that's why it was really cool for me to show them some of these cool places that I've always visited. Um, but yeah. we we left and went through Zion and then continued up instead of taking the the major highway, we we're taking the back highways. And this was significant for me because um, this was actually the route we did when I was on the Wurwur ride in September. But I had a group of people with me, so I couldn't do these stops. But this time I said, Jim, we are stopping in Circleville, and I'll yeah. tell you why. Because we stopped at the birth, uh, the the home of Butch Cassidy, which, if you follow (laughs) this podcast, (laughs) he's uh, a kin of mine. And the and the story goes, and and I we actually found some uh, an article to back this up. When I was a kid, I did a report on him, and his sister Lula helped me with it. So I was like. 10 and she was like 93 years old so it's kind of weird that like to be directly you know linked but um and i did this report about you know he was a train robber this and that and then when he uh uh decided to go straight he moved back west and got a job selling insurance and had a family and people people are like wait what no that's not what happened so like (laughs) how far are you from kevin bacon now how many degrees is that kevin bacon uh, Butch Cassidy is my first cousin three times removed. Okay, well, there's 
Okay, well, there's got to be some kind of never mind. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Anyway, so that was cool to stop there, and because uh, I have, you know, Butch Cassidy's been in, in my past, but that if you want to know what happened to Butch Cassidy, he was not killed in Bolivia. Those were some other bandits who had similar train robbing technique. Uh, he did. He went and died of old age, and you can take that from the family because his sister told me that directly. I thought he died of a penny farthing bicycle accident (laughs) (laughs) while singing in the rain. No. Anybody remember that? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Um, And then we continue driving. Now, here's another part of Utah that I never really explored until this past September on the Werewer Ride. Up in uh, northeastern Utah, uh, going up to Green Valley, you talk about Mars. It's like this expanse of land with these, like, Buttes lined up like soldiers. It, it's a am- it's amazing. Yeah, it looks like yeah. scenery out of a sci-fi like a sci-fi book cover. Where like they're on some alien landscape and there's buttes coming out and it's nuts. It's it's awesome. Yeah, yeah like a seen wild it, coyote roadrunner cartoon. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, the yep. scenery in in Utah and other parts of the Southwest is just some of the most spectacular scenery in the country. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's really great. No, I agree. And so we stayed in um, uh, Green Green River. Green River, yep. And then we went on the next day to, that's when we went to Colorado. Yeah, that was a long drive day. So Mm -hmm. we were trying to figure out what to do. We were going to go think about ride part of the BDR trail in Colorado, right? Little town's called Gypsum we might circle into or Mm -hmm. somewhere in the ski areas. And then um, Liza's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go to Pikes Peak. So it was like, all right. So we went east and then made a hard right turn to the south. And went to, I think it's near Colorado Springs, right? Just west of Colorado Springs. Yeah, and I want to yep. say uh, this whole trip, the theme was no planning. No planning. It was more like <laughs> which direction are we going and what's near there? Yeah, I was about to ask, like, what kind of agenda or itinerary you had, but it was just None. like, just go in and fuck it and do the fuck fun things kind of thing. It's like, at yeah, one yeah. point, I was going to drop him off in the BDR and drive around Denver and then meet him at the bottom half, but then I'm like, yeah, oh, there's Pikes Peak, like, in. Yeah. So course, we just... You know, Pikes Peak, yeah. A lot of it was like, wait, isn't that somewhere in the state? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, glad we did it. At first, I got to admit, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Let's go to Pike Peak. It's only like six hours out of the way but let's do it yeah and you're like no it's a cool thing to do but i will say we actually well we made the long drive down there stayed where did we stay down there? we stayed at at the garden of the gods Mm -hmm. um nice woke up in the morning parked at a uh elementary school yep yeah trying to figure out talking about where do you park your vehicle we just started looking up schools yeah, thank okay. you very much, Ute Pass School District, for letting us call your parking lot. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, is, uh, is Pikes... Sorry. Go ahead. So, is Pikes Peak way more dramatic than, like, the videos show it to be? Because you got those sweeping helicopter shots where, like, there's sheer cliff faces, but it's really tall. But, like, but once you're there, is it like, holy shit, this is... It's pretty. It's pretty holy shit. It reminded me yeah. a lot, Bagel, of a lot of the passes we do in Pakistan, like yeah. Busar, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's similar. It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, Switchbacks, steep drop off, no guardrail, but good paved road, and you're going slow. Yep, and vast expansive views. It's pretty amazing. Here's one thing that was interesting. We found when coming back down, there's a checkpoint that all cars um, brakes are checked with the thermometer. Yep. Yeah, to make yep. sure they don't burn up. Yep. Yeah, that's, that, that's a real thing. 
So it's like a CHP there or something, or not a CHP, like no. a highway patrol guy or a trooper with a with a gun some, some or like kid with a laser gun. State park. Okay. Just yeah. but they don't check bikes. But we had the, yeah. we definitely had the full experience. So we get up to the top. There's a, a parking lot near the top. Um, well, and so I'm standing. <clears throat> Before we got to the top, if you have right. not yet seen the video I posted yeah. <laughs> on our YouTube page and on the Recycle Facebook page, there was a marmot incident. And yes, yes, yes there was. Which was really weird because you're above the tree lines. There's nothing. There's nothing. It's just mountain edge, road, mountain edge, drop off. I mean, there's We're probably like 11,000 feet at that point. It was oh, up yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And this... Friggin' little suicidal marmot ran straight for me, not for the front of my bike, like for my leg. I lifted my leg and screamed because I thought he was going to try and attack me. going to bite you. <laughs> well, I saw recently a YouTube video of a dude going down a road, and this must have been Indy or something, and a fucking like, snake jumped, leapt oh, at yeah. him. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I go, <laughs> Well, it's just shocking. I mean, in the video you're talking about, you're doing like a tour guide talking about how many states you can see. Yeah. Out of nowhere, this marmot just bombed. I mean, I was in front of you, so I didn't see it. The thing fucker bombed right out of the the rocks at you. He may have shot right off the edge of the cliff as far as we know. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. But uh, when you guys were going up towards the top, um, did you get the sensation that like you were almost there, but then you got over that next ridge and then you realized, oh, wait, it's a whole lot further? Yeah. yeah, so what happened yeah. was um, they have a parking lot. So it's what? Is it 13 miles, 16 miles? And at mile 13, they have a parking lot. Yeah. So like here's the thing. I guess you need to know where you're going because when we were at the bottom buying our ticket, they just sold us a ticket to get to the parking lot 13. So we got waved off to the parking lot at at oh, mile really? 13. Yeah, everyone's just getting waved off. Go park in this lot. Go park in this lot. Then I saw people getting in vans to go up. And I'm like, wait, we're not at the top? So mm. I got in the, as we called it, the COVID van. Because Jim's like, I'm not getting in a van with tourists. But I did. So I did go up to, to mile 16 where I saw people in cars and motorcycles who just knew to say all the way to the top, please. And pay right. more. Live and learn. It kind of worked out for the best because as you were in the COVID van, seeing what you could see, I'm hanging out talking to a dude who rolled up on Africa Twin. Anyway, we hear the uh, the the parking lot dudes on the radio. Okay, it looks like uh, we got the hail coming in. You're like, wait, what? We're about 40,000 <laughs> feet. I'm wearing like summer gear, and here comes the hailstorm on the top of Mike's Peak. Really? <laughs> Welcome to Colorado. Yeah, exactly. dude. Colorado don't play, dude. And yeah. I was in it at the top, and it was pea-sized hail that was coating the whole road. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe um, maybe it was a good thing you didn't ride all the way to the top. Oh no, it's a very good thing we didn't ride <laughs> to the top because that was sketch. Uh, yeah. So I got down to gym and the hailstorm was coming down the mountain, just starting there. So we hightailed it out of there and then got drenched oh, from the hail. You could hightail it down Pikes Peak in hail. Right. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Well, Bagel, you said it, man. You can the weather in Colorado is no joke because that was just the first half of our day. Oh yeah, yeah. That was the first. Uh, that was the the first and second uh, near death experience. So we went home, uh, changed clothes, went home, went to the RV, went, changed clothes, and decided, hey, this now the weather's nice. An hour later, right? Let's well, head we up did this. Check the weather. Yeah, let's head up this other mountain. 
<laughs> that has a dirt road up through the top of the mountain. And I had been on this again on the Werber ride when we did the dirt section uh, in Colorado. This is the one we went on. So I'm like, oh, this is cool. I know it's like a nice, well-maintained fire road up through the woods. And we, yeah, like, we also... Yeah, so we thought, I will say we yeah. Go ahead. We got a little bit of hubris with the weather because um, yeah. we didn't check the weather because we just got hailed on, and like let's look at the weather and it said oh there's some I'm, I can't see so good so I'm like something's happening around three thirty and I was <laughs> like what I look at I'm like all the things there's clouds and there's diamonds it's a diamond and, and a cloud and a slash and and we figured out afterwards the diamond is actually lightning yeah. so Ooh. but we're like oh three oh, thirty it was like noon oh we'll just bounce up there hour and a half we'll be we'll beat it. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. cut so to we got this dirt road. Yeah, cut, and cut to, uh, it was up, a lot of fun riding. We're up on a dirt road on the top of a mountain, surrounded by trees. In comes the rain, and then comes the lightning. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, we looked at it because we saw the. I saw the dark clouds. I stopped, waited for Liza. You came up, and I'm like, "Hey, look!" And we just were aware of it. It's like, "Ah, let's keep going." And then I stopped a second time, and it's like, there's fucking lightning, dude. But it was still about eight <laughs> to ten miles away. So, like, inclement weather, so inclement weather aside, like, did you guys ever have to divert your course at all because of, like, road closures due to winds or, like, wildfires or any of that shit? No. I, I had to because of bulls, bulls and cows. <laughs> I, and I had to because uh, in the Black Hills National Forest in the, the last few weeks, they've had two tornadoes rip through the forest. Um, so I came around one trail and it was closed just with a shit ton of trees blocking the road. And if you, and then I, you look around and I didn't know it was a tornado. I'm like, what the fuck happened here? You look and all around you, once you stop, our trees snapped off anywhere from five feet high to 30 feet high, like toothpicks, like, like a bomb went off. It was nutso. And then I... Anyway, yeah, so there's that. So I want to yeah. I, I want to circle back to the cows in a second, but let's just finish up. So we're up on this mountain. Now the lightning is getting closer and it's striking. And we're like, abandon, abort, abort mission. Because we were trying yeah. to make it over to the highway and then jet back. We never yeah, made it to the I, highway. I, I pointed at the lightning. I'm like, I counted it. It was like eight or ten seconds away. I'm like, hey, it's there. And then when you pulled up, as I was saying that, it struck, but on the other side of me. So I'm like, <laughs> we were right. So I'm like, yeah, we're right in the middle of it. And that's what we decided. It started raining, and we just turned around. Amazingly, I rode faster off that mountain with little visibility. I'm like little wiping my face shield, trying to look through like a little droplet. And just We got off that mountain fast. Oh, yeah. I You had you were wearing jeans, but you yeah, just had a waterproof sorry. jacket. I was basically a sponge. I'm, when you I was know. leaving, I'm like, I realized I had left my liner at home. I'm like, what help. So I'm like, I'll grab a garbage bag at least. Couldn't find a garbage bag. So I'm like, yeah, fuck it. It'll be fine. Yeah, no, it was not fine. I was so hyperthermic when I got back to the RV. Oh, geez. Like, probably like, what, 45 minutes riding in this freezing rain with lightning shooting all over the place. I told Liza, oh. I'm all on the side of the trail, ducking down low, like <laughs> pretending the lightning's not going to find me. Well, and then God. the last bit of it, as we're hightailing and we're finally getting away from the storm, I heard like shotgun blasts off to my left. I'm like, now we're being shot at. 
<laughs> it was just like the last try. It was, I think, somebody hunting or shooting in the woods. But it was just like when you're already tweaked out from everything, like yeah, yeah, and then you hear gunshots. Yeah, it was just. I think it was just people in the in the national forest shooting guns. But you definitely don't slow down when you hear no. gunshots. That's for sure. They're coming so right for us. We had planned. Yeah, right? We had wanted to spend a couple days in Colorado, but we took this as a sign to leave. Colorado kicked our ass, dude. Do not, <laughs> do not tempt Colorado. It will call you out. Right. Right. But it was fun. But, but before yeah, was we, we before we left, we did uh have dinner with Aaron Sills and Trev, remember who uh were here on our show? So we went and met them and had dinner. So that was really nice. Yeah, nice. they were super generous. It was funny, everybody we met after that, we told them we got caught in lightning. And everybody after that we said they're like, Oh my god, so many people get killed in Colorado <laughs> from lightning. Like no, Seriously. It was great to see Aaron and check out their, their place and the cool garage, you know, and bikes mm-hmm. they have. So we just decided, let's just go to South Dakota. <laughs> let's just like, we were going to spend all these days in all these places. Like, let's just take it as a sign. Let's go to South Dakota. So we hightailed it up there. <clears throat> and uh, this was really cool. So, um, oh, I got remember. So we checked in to, and shout out to Michelle at the Chalet Motel in Custer, South Dakota. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Uh, she's moto friendly. She's a motorcyclist herself and one of my partners. Um, mm -hmm. and she's got a cute little motel there and the location you cannot beat. It's killer. Exactly. So, um, we got in and I said, you know what? We have a listener in town. That's right. Let's, let's go visit him. And so he had mentioned, uh, shout out to Daniel. He had mentioned that he owns a campground there. Um, this was called the Broken Arrow Horse Camp. And it's just, it's in Custer and it wasn't too far. So we rode over there and he was there and he looked up and he saw like us like get off our bikes. And he was like, wow, what is a Misfits just showed up. <laughs> right yeah he's written some emails to us so i really cool guy so we went and chatted with him and saw his horse camp which is really cool um and then we went back and then jim packed up and he left yeah i was four days five days five nights and this is something jim you've been wanting to do to really legit moto camp you had you'd been working on your setup talking about all the things that you had prepared for legit moto camping yeah, it was a, it was a fun test. So I used to backpack a lot when I was younger, but that's a lot of work. So now you know we do it on motorcycles. Um, so it was a good chance to test out a lightweight ADV setup. So like Liza mentioned, I had the the Honda two hundred and fifty uh, CRF two hundred and fifty L Rally, but I had hacked all the plastics off, and you know I had done suspension work on it. So shout out to uh, Santa Clara Cycle Accessories for doing the um, the suspension on it, the rear and the front, because that was a big deal. You know, I'm already not a small guy. And to throw another 30 pounds of gear on the back on a 250 was interesting. So that was the setup. You know, um, I was running, again, Santa Clara Cycle. I tried some new tires. They're the golden tires. Um, they're actually hard enduro tires. So it's a lot more, you know, dirt tire than I would ever need or use. But it was fun to try something different. So this is the tire. It's the, that was the 333 rear. And then I think they called it the fatty, the front, the 216 GT or GT216. But these are the tires that uh, the top hard enduro guys ride. Um uh, you know, at the Ayersberg and that kind of stuff. So um, that was kind of my setup. Um, I had a one-person tent like Alps. I'll, I'll go through a couple of things just mm-hmm. so people are curious. So an Alps mountaineering one-person tent, 
Um, it worked quite well. Zippers were good. It's super light. I think around, I don't know, maybe no more than four pounds. Um, I also had a camping chair that was bitching. A couple of things I brought that really worked out. Just this small camping chair folds down maybe 12 inches, maybe 18 inches at the most. Um, but that came in really handy. Um, Wait, so Jim, uh, where did you say you went again? Where oh, yeah, that's a good point. So when we got to Custer, Custer's in the Black Hills National Forest. Um, okay. And the Black Hills National Forest is in western uh, South Dakota. And it's beautiful. It's really, they call it the Black Hills because it's fairly flat. And then these these hills and woods come up out of the ground and it looks black from a distance. Um, you know, it's obviously Native American land went back and forth between different tribes over the years. And it was very varied. Um, um, but again, mountainous, huge views, uh, forests, lots of cows and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote my, you said, I wrote my, we got to tell yeah, the cow cows. story. Well, Jim, yeah, his okay. nemesis were cows. No, that was my learning. My learning opportunity were cows. So this was his nemesis. We all, we all see cows, right? And you're like, they're just cows, right? Well, they are cows until you're booking in the middle of nowhere on a road and a trail and you come around and there's like 30 of them and they're just all hanging out and they're like nice enough, but they're big too. And all the cows just had, well, everything just had babies. So we saw baby cows, baby horses, baby goats, baby, you name it. And they were out there. Um, buffalo, elk. So they all just kind of stand their ground. So I don't know what do you do when you come up to a cow, right? You think they're going to move, but they don't. And especially the moms. Out, finally, Jim. <laughs> dude, I tell you, the first group I came up to, I was like, fuck this. I turned around and I went down a different trail. And then there were more cows. So I'm like, I got to figure this out. Uh, so yeah, anyway, I, I, I'm looking at the satellite overhead over Custer, wherever you are. Hey, hey not. Like hey, not. Here. Uh, your microphone is cutting in and out. You're a robot. Uh, now. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's pretty bad so but i think what knock was saying the black hills it's not a huge huge area but there's like over three thousand miles of trails and roads and off-road riding so it's a it's a maze of opportunity of riding but anyway the cows were funny and um so eventually they move but they spaz out i learned that the moms <laughs> will stay on the ground all i know is right i don't deal with cows a lot what are you gonna do but i know you don't get between like a mom and its baby right and all it was was moms and babies and uh, anyway, long story short, the cows just look at you and then blankly, and then they bolt and spaz and run the other way. So after no, a couple but of they, times, they were like, leaving right. some, uh, some landmines for you. All right. So there was one story I told Liza. So I'm, <laughs> I got, this was my day I'm riding out. So after five days, and I did it over a thousand miles of dual sport riding. Um, so I was covering some ground and I had a little bit of gas left. That's a whole nother story. But I'm in the middle of nowhere, not really sure where I'm at come around a bunch of cows again, but they won't move. They just start running in front of me, like jogging. And I'm like, come on, cows move. And they won't go off the side. There's a cliff on one side or whatever, embankment on one side, a river on the other. So they start moving just some following them, about 20 of them. Then we pass the bull. I'm like, oh, shit, it was laying down. So then the bull's like, oh, dude, don't make me get up. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm chasing all the females down the road. The bull gets up and starts trotting after me. <laughs> so I'm like, shit. I, and the cows won't move. And it's not like, you know, I'm not like John Wayne. I'm not going to go running through a bunch of cows because they, they're big. So but then the bull's all trotting. He's like, you motherfucker, you're making me run now. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> so then I start pushing the cows. Well, little did I know when you, when you scare cows or get them moving, like all animals, I think, with the flight instinct, they start pooping. <laughs> so next thing I know, I got this bull kind of booking after me by on my left rear quarter panel. I got a whole sea of cows pooping like like bread loaf size poops at me all over the place. <laughs> the, 
dude, you don't know which way they're going to run. The babies are going back and forth. I start beeping the horn. All I know is I don't want uh, poo's one thing, but a big ass bull. And I don't even know where I am. Like there weren't even any recent tracks where I was. I'm like, I ain't going out like this. I am not getting, getting stopped to death by a bull in cow poo. So story short, I kept pushing them and pushing them and pushing. They kept pooing and I got past them. But um, yeah, a lot of cows. But it was also, but these are mountain cows, man. They'd come jumping off the embankment through the woods, like across the road and back down into a stream. I was like, holy moly, these are mountain cows. <laughs> but they oh, do wow. get your attention. But not like a buffalo, Liza, that got your attention. Well, while he was battling his uh, loaf poop and cows, <clears throat> I decided to go for a little ride. So there's a Custer State Park, and it was down the street. I'm like, I'm just going to hop on, like no gear, just a T-shirt, and just kind of go down the road and check out this park. Little did I know, when I started going on the wildlife loop, it's a hour and a half ride. It's a huge park and it has uh prairie dogs and pronghorn and donkeys and buffalo and elk and all these amazing animals and wouldn't you know i come up to a bunch of cars are stopped because there's a bunch of buffalo in the road <clears throat> so the cars can kind of move through but I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. So I stop and there's this giant buffalo just staring me down, just lined, just lined up and staring me down. I turn the bike off because I'm like, I've had no training for this. <laughs> like, I don't know what you do. All they tell you is they're dangerous. Everywhere you look, buffalo will kill you. Bears will kill you. But what didn't help is that one of the cars that was passing, he stopped next to me, rolled down his window, said, good luck. <laughs> so i was just like well i'm just gonna sit here and i'm like i'm just gonna give him the stink eye right and i'm staring him down and meanwhile i'm like i i gotta get out of here like i don't think this is safe so i started the bike up and that was enough to get him to to scare him and he ran away so that was good from that point on <clears throat> anytime i encountered the buffalo what I did was I would get in right behind a car that was going through and just kind of use them as a shield and keep moving. You're riding the way. Yeah, because yeah, you realize how exposed you are. Yeah, These things good. are big. And they they went in doubt, throttle out, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there was no. Yeah, you could see so much wildlife. It was amazing. You know, it's funny. Liza asked me like, "What did you do out there?" Because I was gone for five days um, and zigzagged all over. The nice thing about the Black Hills is there's there's gas is never too, too far away. And I would say what I mean by that is maybe 40 or 50 miles. Um, you can be pretty <clears throat> isolated and remote in that time. But if you know where you're going, um, you know, it's a pretty accessible place. Not like the Sierras. Sometimes I've gotten up in the Sierras Mountains, Sierra Mountains, and you're pretty darn far from gas or anything like that. Um, but they really made it easy to get around. You know, the roads were really nice. I had planned on doing um, just kind of solo camping out in the middle of nowhere. But Michelle actually always talked to the locals, right? Mm -hmm. So Michelle gave me some good advice. And the northern part of the Black Hills is beautiful. There's a lot more water. It's a lot greener. Um, yes, yeah, so the first morning I jetted out to a campground called Black, Black Fox. And the developed campground, and by that I mean it's run mm -hmm. by the state. It's got a picnic table and a fire ring. It was so beautiful. I just said, I'm going to stay here. It was right behind a creek. Um, I was isolated from everybody else. The few people that were there, you didn't really hear them or see them. Um, and it was one of those beautiful places. Wildflowers were blooming like crazy. Um, I told Liza at about dusk for about a half an hour, 
fish were jumping out of the stream, not big, but, you know, maybe trout four to six inches about every 30 seconds for about an hour. It was just, it was magical. And when you get out of California, California is beautiful, but the park systems in a lot of the other states are so well-maintained. Um, you know, it was a great little site and they have a, a tree disease there. This was kind of nice. I hadn't planned yeah. on doing fires. Um, so there's, there's a beetle that's taken out trees. So what the, par- the, the parks guys will do is cut down the trees to get them out, right? Also, they're dangerous. They can fall with no warning. So at the campsite, I found there was firewood. They just cut these trees up and leave them for people to burn, which is really smart and convenient. So after I was able to have a fire, have a a beautiful site by creek by myself, um, I decided to stay there for a couple of nights and then just base out of there, which was really nice instead of having to pack up a tent, sleeping bag, and all that kind of stuff um, to to base a couple of nights. Um, So I stayed a couple of nights there. Then I think... uh, Pop back down to see Liza and crew and have lunch. Came out of the woods after three or four days. Uh, oh, but quickly, I want to mention, I used some giant loop products. Yeah, yeah, good call. Yeah, like the Mojave. So I, I used to, I was, initially I didn't, I wasn't too turned on by giant loop. I got to admit, I was like, ah, I don't know. But then I, I realized I wanted luggage that was rackless. I didn't want to put luggage racks on the little bike. So mm-hmm. I looked again at giant loop and I ended up getting the, I think the Mojave saddlebags, um, which is little saddlebags kind of run down the sides off the back. And then I got one of their dry bags with a vent in it. Um, I don't know how many liters, but you know, about size you can put a. So I put my sleeping bag in there, camp stove, pots and pans, uh, some freeze dried food, stuff like that. Um, and again, shout out to Santa Clara Cycle, man. That bike, I was ripping on that thing because a lot of the roads are wide open, so you can do 50, 60 miles an hour in the gravel, which is you know kind of like, you know gets your attention. But the setup was great on that. Um, so, but yeah, so again, you're able to bop around the woods. The, the roads are pretty well marked. Another thing I'll mention is navigation. So I did a few different things uh, as far as trying to get around because even though it's it, the forest is accessible, there's a lot of trails and it's easy to get lost and I got lost. And one of the things I noticed is on your, like I'll look at the map, I'll highlight my route. Okay, forest route, you know, 2273 or State Road 214. Well, on the sign, it might be, you know, Dutch Canyon Road or Mud, Mud Springs, you know, flat uh, or nine mile road that's actually 15 miles long. So that I found navigation wise, it was really helpful to use Google Maps. The State Forest Service map is a must. And then I also used um, GIA, which is an app one of the podcast listeners had mentioned to me. Um, but I did find just trying to rely on one alone um, wasn't really great. If I was going to rely on one alone, it would be the National Forest Service map. Because that has everything. The hard thing is there's everything on it, and it's black and white. And it's a little hard to decipher, but if you really take the time, you can figure it out. Um, but that would be another tip I'd give. If you are going to go out where it's fairly desolate, um, you know, get always have a paper map, but then juxtapose it with some other ones. Because I would say you know half the roads probably had the state route or the fire road number on it, and the other half were just um, you know Mud Springs Road <clears throat> or uh, you know Custer something road. So that was a little confusing, especially when you weren't sure if you're going north or south. Uh, that, that was kind of fun to, to, to play with the navigation part of it. And you had yeah, done the research. Did. There's thousands of miles of dirt roads in this area. <clears throat> More than 3,000 miles of, of ATV opportunity. The odd thing, almost no motorcycles. I saw two. One by myself, Liza, and I think we did a ride with the, the ladies. We saw a second motorcycle. It's really popular for the, the four-wheel drive stuff. I don't even know what you call it, side-by-sides or whatever it is. Um, but what's nice that there's every kind of riding you could want. Um, a lot of the miles were just gravel roads, real, not difficult at all, but what was fun is you could haul ass because you could see and the scenery was stunning, but then you could pop off onto trails that were for vehicles, 56 inches or less, 
Um, you could go down Kale, uh, like Pal Roads. Um, but uh, just the, the variety was huge. If you really were ambitious, you could go up some power line roads, uh, which were very rutted, like Jeep, Jeep ruts and stuff. Um, but a lot of fun. Um, yeah, good time. So while he was doing that, <clears throat> I was exploring with um, some of my friends on the paved roads. Now, this is just weeks before Sturgis Bike Week. And I have traditionally made fun of Sturgis Bike Week in that they have so many deaths and a lot of drinking. And um, I just, I hate seeing that kind of, you know, happening, people riding without gear. I get it now because the riding in the Black Hills is some of the best riding I've ever seen. They just have a short window for it. But we're talking amazing beautiful well-maintained roads that you can ride for hours and hours and hours sweeping turns and lakes and mountains and and you know you see mount rushmore and crazy uh chief crazy horse and um we took jim we went and doubled back and took jim later on uh let's see we did the custer state park we did is iron mountain iron mountain needles and needles uh, which has almost like pinnacles, you know, um, and mm-hmm. these amazing, um, as you're going on the road, they have these these tunnels carved out of the rock. And you're going through the tunnel and you look through it and there's Mount Rushmore. They aligned the tunnels with Mount Rushmore. So you're looking right at it. Really cool. So I totally get why people love to go to Sturgis Bike Week and just go for riding. I get it. Um, That said, we did, I was going to say, we did visit visit Sturgis. We did uh, visit Rapid City. um, And that's when I had my next close call with death. Now, what you have to know is uh, I've been riding that day on twisties. I've been riding on freeway, um, all sorts of riding dirt earlier. It happened to be I was on an uphill sweeping, you know, long turn and my rear wheel blew out. These are brand new tires and tubes that I put on before the trip. And so the rear end just skipped out. You said blew out. It just instant like the like it just went out from underneath me. And and I happened to just again, this is where the dirt riding experience comes in. I was able to swing my hips out, recover the bike, use front brake only to start slowing down and to slowly keep it because in a minute turn to keep it in the lane and to get it over. Everyone behind me was like, wow, you did a great job. But again, a lot of that comes from the dirt riding and your body knows what to do. Um, The weird thing is, um, because I just changed those tires not too long ago when we looked at the tube there were fold creases in the tube and it had burst on one of those creases. And it looks like it had been packed in the box uh, improperly. So my new tube that I got, Hmm. um, and we were able to get a new tube and get it fixed that day. But the new tube came rolled over, kind of like when they take dough and they're making pasta and you kind of gently roll it over itself. Right. So there's no uh, hard angles. And I think what happened is that somebody might have taken the uh, the tube out and then shoved it back in the box. So there mm. were actual like wrinkles. And it if it sat that way, it weakened the rubber. Wow. Yeah, that could do hmm? On the KLR? Yeah, on the KLR. So I, I, showed, I, I showed you, Jim. It, it was obviously there were like these 
creases in it. It was really weird. Could that have, was it the rear tire or front tire? Rear tire. Could that have been from power? I don't think so. Don't forget that was after you had to pull the carb twice. Yeah. That was at uh, Carburation on Pike's Peak, by the way. Uh, not so good. Oh, not damn. So good. It's okay. <laughs> you don't, I, I did not want to go fast. <laughs> Pike speak, especially after the pucker moment. Um, so that was uh, so. What I ended up having to do is uh, leave the bike on the side of the road. I hopped on Rachel's bike, who has a big victory, and she was nice enough to let me drive and her passenger on her own bike because she had never had a passenger my size. <laughs> She'd only had Haley on it, who's wife thin. So um, we went back into town, uh, got the trailer, went back, picked it up, went and to a shop, picked up a tire. It was no problem, but definitely scary. But um, what a great time and what a great selection of roads. There's everything for everybody in the whole Sturgis, Custer, Black Hills area. Yeah. Um, and again, keep, keep an eye on the weather. You know, the weather was variable. They had hail a couple of days. Like I said, they had tornadoes. Um, but yeah, if you haven't got to that part of the country, boy, it is definitely worth seeing. It's beautiful. We had a great time there. We spent a whole week there. Uh, wasn't enough time. It really yeah, was. Yeah, the variety, again, I um, after I was in the wet north part, I ended up going to the western side, um, Summit Ridge Trail, something like that, to a fire lookout. Then it was like a savanna, so tall, dry grass, oaks, and, um, you know, rocks, very rattlesnakey. Um, but again, you could see all the stars. It was just uh, unbelievable. Oh, and... Um, I wanted to give another quick plug. Uh, Michelle, um, she had three bikes there that we were all able to use. So um, she had a KLR 650 and an XT225 and an XT250. Let me tell you, these little XTs were able to do everything. And they're kind of lower dirt bikes. So if you're somebody who's a shorter stature, maybe a woman, looking for a great bike that is street legal, but can do dirt and is kind of smaller. Um, the XT225, which is the carbureted, and then the XT250, which was the fuel injected. And those things did the freeway. They could do 70 miles an hour. This is the ones with like those big wheels hmm. or mm -hmm. big tires? Mm -hmm. No, it's not, yeah. a, not a T dub. Oh, okay. yeah. No, just a standard little dirt bike. Uh, but uh, we loved them. They did a great job. <clears throat> yep. Yep, and uh, rode the heck out of it. fortunate enough to find just two blocks away from her house, a dirt lot for a construction site that had sand and gravel and dirt and everything. And I was taking uh, some of the girls up there and giving them uh, lessons in dirt riding, which was really helpful because um, I taught them all the basics. And then Jim led us up into his mountains to go do some dirt roads. It started out as nice, nice fire roads. Then it progressed into like Jeep trails and, and some, some little you know, puddles and a little bit of water, some rocks, some sand. And the girls knew what to do just from doing that repetitive training to see like Shauna hit a mud puddle and the bike zing sideways and she gunned out of it and recovered nice was really great and it gave them all the confidence so if you want to get into dirt riding again i highly recommend take a class or get a friend to take you out and just do these drills over and over because not only does it work when you hit the dirt it works if you get into a situation on the street it's great skills to have it was really fun to watch them do that i was in the like i said i was in the forest for five days and you guys were all hanging out um and when i came back we did just that one little thing in the afternoon kind of around a construction site but it had ruts and sand and whatever 
And the next day we took them out and it was one of those things where if we told them, like I, I, I said, Hey, we may go off on a Jeep trail, but it, the Jeep trails are kind of mellow. <clears throat> well, of course, when I picked wasn't so mellow, it had some downhill ruts and <laughs> downhill rutted turn, things like that. And then some mud wallows, which are always fun. <clears throat> and, um, if you've never ridden dirt, you know, that's kind of a lot to take on. But I think if we had said, hey, do you want to do these downhill ruts and mud wallows, they'd have said, hell no. Once they were in it, <laughs> I they had said kind no. Of no choice. And they, they were super brave. So, yeah, Rachel and Shanna were just super charged it. And it was those things that I think they, I don't know, but I got a feeling they had this sense of, like, accomplishment and satisfaction mm-hmm. you get after that. And I was like, yeah, Eliza does that shit to me all the time. But I was really <laughs> glad. It was fun to see them have that growth experience and really, like, have that sense of accomplishment because mm-hmm. they did it. You know, they both had shots where they could have eaten shit and all that kind of stuff, and they didn't. They found their way through it and had a lot of fun. And awesome. like I told Liza, I, I compared the Black Hills. We have like a lot of places to do a jelly donut. If you stay on the, 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 the street, you know, the paved roads, it's an awesome jelly donut. It's got like sparkles on the top and sugar. You take a bite, it's great. But you don't get to the jelly middle until you get on the dirt. And I tell you, I think in the parks and definitely, you know, the Black Hills, when you get off the pavement into the dirt is when – you really see the beauty, you know, the flowers, the wildlife, the water, the cows, all that stuff. So get off the paved roads for sure. Yeah, the cows. <laughs> yeah. So again, big shout out to the Chalet Motel in Custer, South Dakota. Check it and out. Not only is Michelle, yeah, she has the best place to stay. She mm-hmm. can tell you the best places to ride mm-hmm. because she is from that area. They snowmobile up there and all that stuff. So the campgrounds that I had planned on going to. We're okay. The campgrounds she had recommended were dynamite. Totally made the trip. So she's got the tour guide part, and she's a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really fun person to be with. So, yeah, the chalet. Yeah, if you go there, tell Michelle you're a misfit, and she'll do nothing. But um, <laughs> from there, when we finally left after a week, we went back to what's what's in this area. And uh, we saw uh, an opportunity to go to Devil's Tower. Yeah. Nice. Well, you act, well. You didn't talk about how many heads you bought in Custer. How many heads no, did you I come didn't. home with? F- another story for another I day, bought maybe. five heads in Custer at the Head Damn. and Hide store. I made that name up. But yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> some of them, some of them might be illegal in California, so I'm not sure I'm going to say what I got. I know. <laughs> uh, those those some out of the road. <laughs> Wyoming? That's the next place you went to, huh? Wyoming? So, yeah. So, we went to Devil's Tower. Now, for anyone who's old enough, you remember uh, Close Encounters is of the fourth kind? Third kind. Third, this close means third something. Kind. Yes. <laughs> now, here's where we learned another lesson. If you're going to be traveling like this, Jim had a brilliant idea. As we were approaching Devil's Tower, he queued up the soundtrack <laughs> Close Encounters. <laughs> And it's it was powerful. To, it, it was, was. A powerful soundtrack. It was dude. powerful, and it really and the, enhanced the whole thing. Gave me chills. And the thing comes out of nowhere, and you see it, and it's all da 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 da. Then it disappears, and it comes out again. The music was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely see it. It was bitching to see. It was cooler than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, cool. and we discovered how Devil's Tower was formed. Do you guys know this one? It was a volcano, a volcanic formation, isn't it? Yes. So this is actually a plug. So this was, um, yeah, a lava that was pushing up through the ground that may or may not have ever gotten out, but it just kind of was pushing up and then stopped. It was underground, but over time, all the ground wore away, leaving this 
plug with these scratches down the sides of it from where it had been pushing up through the earth. Oh, wow. so it's like a collapsed caldera, I guess, huh? I don't know what that means, so I'll say or, yes. Er, eroded caldera, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the dirt eroded, but the magma or whatever didn't. Yeah, it was left there. The magma. Remains. And that's why it has a flat top, because it never rose all the way up. It just pushed up. Because it, it was like rising up to form a volcano or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was melting the rock and all that away. But yeah. Liza, do you remember why it was named Devil's Tower? Uh, something to do with a bear. Um, that's the Native American lore is a bear was trying to climb to the top to get a get something, a chick yeah. or something. I don't know. Um, but no, it was lost in translation. So when right. the, uh, the white white folk came out and, and killed everybody and took over the land, they said, what's the name of that rock? And they probably said some cool Indian name like Cool Rock where the bear tried to climb. And But they misinterpreted <laughs> it and said Devil's Tower. So from then on, it was a misinterpreted name is where yeah. Devil's Tower comes from. So, so from there, we went on and uh, set our sights on the next thing in Wyoming, the next biggest thing. Another place that Jim had never seen before. He'd never been to any of this part of the country. Any of this, yeah. And as a kid who spent a lot of time in the back of a station wagon, I knew he had to see it. We went to Yellowstone Park. Nice. <clears throat> Yellowstone was dope. And I made him go see Old Faithful. Like, you have to go see Old Faithful, right? Yeah. Charlie, have you seen Old Faithful? No. You didn't spend enough time in the back of the station wagon, did you? Correct. Yep. Do you know what Old Faithful is, Charlie? Not, not a chance. <laughs> he doesn't know what a station wagon is. <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh, thing with seats in the very back that fold up. Yeah. <laughs> so again, a lot of volcanic action here, and you have these uh, hot springs and every and like steam ports just in the ground, and every now and then just like water bursting out. And Old Faithful is the biggest. And about every was it like hour and fifteen minutes or something like that? Hour and a half. Yeah. Hour and a half. It'll shoot up like fifty feet in the air. Yeah, but again, the called, it's called a, I think it's mm -hmm. called a geyser. Mm -hmm. Yep. But the wildlife viewing was great. We saw buffalo. I mean, I did. I, you saw buffalo, I think, closer lies in Custer, but we had buffalo right outside the car there, um, elk yeah. again. We had a buffalo Dude. cross in front of our car, just like didn't give two shit about all these cars on the road. Just doo -doo 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 -doo. Buffaloes pretty much own everything, mm -hmm. but we couldn't tell. We were trying to see if it had a summer or winter sack. Huh. Yeah, it was a summer sack. Um, summer sack. So we did the whole thing, and, and Yellowstone is just amazing because these um, the all the steam vents and everything, all this volcanic action creates these amazing different colors, and and uh, what was it? It was bacteria that's growing in the hot water and the pools, and it's just, it's grand. Um, mm -hmm. So we got through there, and then we kept going till we got to, oh yeah, we stayed in Cody, Wyoming, and that's when we found uh, the... The, the 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 park that we stayed at and then we're like okay what's what's the next state idaho man i did i fall in love with idaho beautiful so we're like what's in idaho well one thing i noticed when we were coming out of uh yellowstone into idaho um you are going bordering a, a river right and i'm like oh look there's a nice river what's this river called snake river Snake River. Why have I heard of Snake River? That sounds familiar. <laughs> hmm. Where have um, I heard that name before? <laughs> uh, let's see. We're, and we decided, let's go camping in 
Twin Falls, right? And we're trying to find our campground. We get lost and end up at a wall at waterfall. Go figure. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, the Snake River, look it up. Wait a minute. I remember <laughs> the Snake River Canyon. Hey, I wonder if that's anywhere near. Holy shit, it's two blocks away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were there, right there where Evil Knievel jumped the Snake River Gorge. That was a big thing for me. For everyone who knows, I love Evil Knievel. And we yep. went there. And again, when... Um, if you follow Google, it'll tell you to go to this park where the waterfalls are, um, Shoshone Falls, I believe, and then you have to like walk on a path like a mile. But I did the research, and I used Google Maps, and I found dirt roads through farms that took us right to the base. And so we yep, rode so, right there. Yeah, which is, if you picture the base, it's actually a dirt ramp, kind of comes out of the ground. Maybe, I would say it's maybe 100, maybe 75 yards long at maybe a 10 degree angle so it's a pretty steep dirt i think it's ramp that's 25 yards long okay there well dude it was longer than that okay. anyway it's a big ramp big, big dirt ramp, ramp. and and wow. you can see the uh, concrete footings where they had the well if you saw the was it the x2 rocket yep. cycle yeah the steam-powered rocket cycle um it was on a launch pad so it was almost close to vertical um but you can still see the concrete uh, the concrete footings but they've also put a little exercise path kind of in the area. So you see a lot of people boogieing around. So um, we kind of hiked up there to stand on top and you're looking down in the canyon. It's really majestic. And I was like, Jim, I need to ride up it. And he's like, no, no. Bad idea. Bad idea. Do it. I'm like, I need to ride up it. Um, so I'm like, he's like, no, bad idea. So I go down to the bike now because it's on a jogging path like families kept hiking up it and here comes an old lady doing her exercise then it got like somebody walking their dog they kept going up it and i just sat there in the parking lot waiting and there's room to get up there but not a lot of room and if you go off the edge or something no it's you know, a, it's live. like a single track up it and then you get to the top and it's about a 10 foot little plateau and then drop off Mm-hmm. And I just waited, and suddenly there was no one on it, and I just went for it. And I rode up that thing, stopped at the top. It was so <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah. You it was did beautiful. have your evil moment. That was good. So, and it was a beautiful view. So there you are, standing at the top of the ramp where Evil Knievel and his steam-powered X2 shot um, into the air and then basically plummeted into the canyon to his almost, again, near death, but he survived. So uh, next up on our stop was another cool stop. And this was one I had in the back of my head of like would be cool to visit. Uh, Because recently I noticed that Jocelyn Snow had been at the Climb headquarters. If you're not familiar with Climb, K-L-I-M. They make gear, mostly dirt and adventure riding gear. Really good gear. Like really good gear. I have a bunch of Climb gloves. Yeah, snowmobile. And I said, you know, they're, they're in Idaho. Let's go check it out. Um. So we went to the Climb headquarters, and the factory is closed because of COVID, but they have a storefront, and we had a shopping spree. It was, it was really cool. So they're out in Rigby, uh, Rigby, Idaho, and beautiful farm country, and it's a big old warehouse building, almost like an Idaho version of Mike Corbin's factory. Mm-hmm. And we went into the – and they have a small retail store in the front. I was excited because I'm like, usually when you go to these places, they have all the latest gear. Right, they're going to have the latest of everything. They should have everything there, more or less. Blah blah blah. So I was, I was exciting from the beginning, and as I've been doing more, you know, ADV riding, you know, the gear's not cheap. Um, so I'd always kind of buy cheaper stuff and and what have you. And I think I picked up a, a, a climb jacket and a pair of pants, you know, from the garage over the years. Um, 
and I appreciate it, but but it was nice to see it in person. But I tell you what, after going to the store, and the other thing I noticed is our friends like Jocelyn Snow, um, Sean Thomas, people like that. Aaron Sills. They, yeah, Aaron Sills. They wear climb because they can wear whatever they want, and they choose to buy quality gear. And after going to the store, seeing the gear, trying stuff on, you realize you get what you pay for. And buying the climb stuff is worth the money. And I want to give a big shout out to Brittany. She's the one and, only, awesome. one and only employee in the store. And we were the only customers in the store. And it goes like this. You walk around and they basically have like one of everything. And I'd hold it up and it's like, what color, what colors do you have? What sizes? And somebody would, she'd, she'd make a call and somebody would run to the warehouse and go pull that out for us. And what was nice is, um, again, a shout out to Climb, is Brittany was so on top of it. So we would ask a question about the Mojave pants or, you know, the, the Cryos helmet or whatever it might be. She would know the answers. She would know what colors it came in. She would say, hey, well, here's what it looks like on the computer. I mean, and Liza and I, especially Liza, we uh, we put customer service to the test, not yeah. in a mean way, but we just ask questions. You know, what colors does it come in? This size feels different. Does this take CE armor? That kind of stuff. Um, and Brittany was so generous and so knowledgeable. It really made it fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a good time. Tried on a lot of stuff. Uh, I got some of the Mojave pants because uh, I needed some good summer pants that are good protection. And I've decided that I love climb gloves and I'm buying one of every glove. <laughs> They're cool. Yeah, that makes a pretty good shit. Yes. Well, I got I got the Mojave pants too, and and basically Mojave they're hot weather pants. You know, it's like this eighty four hundred Kodura nylon anywhere you're going to crash, and everywhere else is just high airflow mesh. But again, yeah. the the zippers are good. It was like it was really well done. And this is all American made. Um, the other thing that I was surprised to see when I was there is they did have some stuff uh, that was outside of the adventure dirt biking. They had a nice leather jacket for like cruiser style riding. They had cargo good. pants and jeans, and they had uh, motorcycle boots that looked like hiking boots, that kind of stuff, you know. Um, and they had like standard modular helmets, so they had. Good protection that had some style that leaned more into standard and cruiser riding as well. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Really, when um I said we were going there because I was riding my dirt bike helmet all week, and like I said, I did like a thousand miles of dirt. And after about four days, um, or dual sport, my neck started killing me, and it was basically this dirt bike visor and goggles setup was just taking a toll on my neck. But mm -hmm. I knew I wanted an ADV helmet, um, and I got one. I'll mention that in a second. But what I was pleasantly surprised was their non-ADV looking stuff. So Liza mentioned the, the pants. I think they're called the Outrider pants. They're basically casual riding pants that look like Ben Davis. Kind of double knee look, very like baggy, very understated, snap in the pocket, armor in the knees, uh, knees and hips. And they were very reasonably priced. I think they were 150 bucks or so. Yeah. Um, but it was so nice to see where it wasn't all ADV oriented. So I was really... So I bought a pair. I'm like, these things are great. I wore them today, as a matter of fact, super comfortable. And what I liked about the other climb stuff is, you know, the knee and armor, it has the Velcro in the inside where you can adjust the height of the armor. The climb stuff works really well as far as that goes. So I had my, my Mojave pants and I put armor in them and I could adjust the knee armor, you know, any like probably two to three inches up or down because of the nice Velcro system that climb has in their pants. Um, but yeah, to, to see like some casual wear on a climb, that was awesome. Also, good selection of women's gear. Yeah. So yeah, uh, climb gear. Check them out. K L I M. Really. And good the, stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the thing I was stoked on, and I got I was looking to get was the helmet. I got the Cryos helmet, 
And it's kind of, I love their mid-range helmet. It goes for about uh, four or five hundred, three to five hundred bucks, something like that. I tell you, money well spent. Um, I think it's the lightest ADV helmet on the market. Um, I've been wearing it the last few days. It's and it's super comfortable. You know, my, some of my helmets I pull on, they're a little tight. The fabric's kind of rough, what have you. But this helmet was super comfortable, very quiet, but by far the lightest helmet I own. Um, so again, I didn't go there being a huge climb fan. You know, I knew that Jocelyn and all those guys wore it and they represent it. And, but after going there and meeting the people and seeing the stuff firsthand, um, yeah, I'll be happy to spend my money at Climb. And then um, we headed out uh, the next day and we got to Reno. By the time you're in Reno, you're almost home. We're like five, six hours from home. And we decided to blow it out, go to uh, you know a nice casino, get a nice hotel room, have a really good time. Jim, should we, we talk about uh, the bet we placed for a friend? Uh, we did place a bet. Yeah, that was fun. It was good. It was it was good until it wasn't. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just want. say I won't say who it is, but a friend of ours said, "Hey, you're going there. Place a bet for me." And uh, well, he, three bets. Well, yeah. So he sent he PayPal'd me. I thought he was going to send me like ten bucks. He PayPal'd me two hundred bucks <laughs> and said, "Go over to Roulette." And he said, "Black odd black." I went, "Wait, all of it?" No, red. Red, 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 odd, red. I'm like, all of it? He goes, all of it. Let it ride. Okay, so we go over there, get $200 chips. And the, everyone else is playing like dollar chips. $100 chips, put it down on red. It hits red. Now we've How? got $400. Slide it over to odd. It goes around. Odd. Now oh, we've got $800 on the table. Slide it over to red. That's more than a new Goes set around. Of black. Gone. Uh, uh. Should have just pocketed 800 bucks and not told me anything. That would have been. That's number one bullshit, man. That's fucked up. Well, if that podcast listener is listening, if it makes you feel any better, we'll see me and Liza were up about 400, 400 clams playing roulette. Liza's now addicted to roulette. Um, <laughs> yeah, we were up what, about 400 bucks and yeah. we left the table. And we both threw a hundred bucks down on black. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a hundred bucks in 30 seconds. Yeah. That's amazing because it's like pure gambling. There's just no it. method to it all. And it's just, no. like... <laughs> it takes no skill whatsoever. It's great. You just throw the shit around and they throw drinks and chips at you every now and then. It's great. <laughs> so, then, so our friend, we also, me and Liza both lost 200 bucks at roulette before the weekend was over. So. Yeah. Well, I lost more than that on the slots, but we had a great time. It was a good blowout. And again, this was our COVID safe trip. And the reason we went to a casino, because a lot of people may say that's not a safe place. Um, but what we saw when we were traveling is we saw a lot of people who are complying with stuff. We felt a lot safer. Yeah, there's certain states where you go to the gas station, they don't have any protection, but most of the travelers coming through are wearing masks. And I did find there was hand sanitizer everywhere you went absolutely yeah. well, everywhere. You know, yeah. and There's i always look as, as i was gonna say we have a, a podcast listener a friend in um in australia and she had kind of messaged on the ig that uh stoked for us but they're locked down there so even though we are able to travel here and get out and do stuff at the same time america's a bit of a shit show at the moment so yeah i'm glad we can get out and travel and all that but i'm still not convinced it's what we necessarily should be doing as a nation yeah so and the reason we felt good going there is we actually did some research and we're checking out all the different the bigger 
bigger hotels. And we found one that explained all the, um, everything they're doing to be safe there and that they are not only complying with all, re- all the regulations, but exceeding all the regulations. And they have hand, san- hand sanitizing stations like every 15 feet. Um, they're cleaning machines as you leave. Um, the air is being filtered and, and you know, constantly uh, circulated. Um, yeah. And they have people spaced out in like the restaurants and a lot of, you have plexiglass up between machines. It felt good. I I've, well, yeah. I felt good. I'll add this to it. It's still a bad idea. You mm-hmm. probably like because I the reason I, I'm like fuck it. We're we'll just this is a risk. We're gonna take a risk mm-hmm. and go to casino. So even though they put measures in place, it I would just say probably not a great idea to go to casino. <laughs> but we did have a good time. Won some money. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's our trip. I I highly recommend uh, planning something like this, especially now um, when you want to be safe get an RV, go out there and see things, um, and, and have an adventure. And, and the, basically our, our rules, uh, you know, that we came up with. And by the way, we called this the, uh, farting, fussing and fun tour. And yeah, a lot uh, of farting, a lot of fussing, a lot of fun. It's, uh, basically talk to people and talk to locals, get information and, uh, and just be open to discovering something. Don't be too Especially locked. Especially when when you're going down the road, the highway, and a car comes racing up next to you, and there's a guy hanging out the window, frantically waving his arms, pointing behind you. Um, yeah, those. That's a good time to talk to people. And that ha- how many times did people drive up frantically telling us there was something wrong? Three times. I think it was oh, like no. three times. <laughs> Wait, what what happened? Happened? Well, you can't you what can't see the trailer at all with the RV. Yeah. No visibility of the trailer. So loose. You don't even know if it's there. Um, here's if what you I think. Hear any sounds pulling a trailer? Throttle out. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's what I think was happening. So I have uh, some. What are the the straps? Uh, are they Thor? Pro taper. Pro taper straps, which are really nice because they have like carabiners, so they lock in, so they can't just slip out. Um, but what I think what was happening was they are getting older. I think they're aging out. And what I think was happening, it was slowly releasing to where there'd mm. be slack and the bike would start flopping around. Now well, we had the a first time the bike flopped around, those two dudes rolled up. I thought they were going to rob us. We're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know what the hell we were. Middle mm. of the desert. These two dudes from ripping up the Jeep and they're like, pull over. And they pull out right in front of us. So we couldn't like pull out if we wanted to two burly looking dudes get out one guy's missing a leg i'm like liza i might have to kick you out the door and run and um and they were super nice that's the other thing people are so nice when you travel and they're like no but i think liza you would use like a bmw strap from about 1971 <laughs> to like hold the bike and it just severed it it just cut it and the bike oh, no. luckily yeah well, that like, happened to set the bikes up so if they fail they're gonna fall to the inside but yeah so yeah, there's nothing more exciting than you're chilling and all of a sudden cars race up waving their arms to behind you. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Only three times. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Great trip. Uh, can't lot. wait to go back. And actually, this for all of you uh, here, we're talking about doing it again next year and opening it up and having a moto week at the Chalet Motel in Custer, South Dakota. Have everyone come out and stay and everyone go off and do different rides uh, and then kind of do maybe gatherings at night. It was it was so great. And it's small. It's only a 16-room motel. 
So, um, well, it's not a motel. There's like individual chalets. You actually get your mm-hmm. own little independent, you know, bedroom, maybe a kitchenette, a small bathroom. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have your own little independent. It's really, it's really dope. It's a throwback to, I think, 1937. There's a little gas station, roadside oh, cool. hotel. Is that yeah. what it was? It's a motor court. Um, oh, nice. But we want to do it next year and open it up and have people come join us and just have a little moto week. What do you guys think about that? Charlie, you in? Yeah. Super duper moto fun. I'm down. <laughs> throttle out. Throttle out, Charlie. Yeah, throttle out. Throttle. Yeah, once I throttle out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, oh, I do want to make an announcement before we go any further. Um, oh. Revsisters.com. Go there and get your free ticket to the Black Hills Moto Film Festival. Speaking of Black Hills, it is in two weeks i believe august 13th through 16th uh for three days we are gonna have nine hours of films uh curated from us available a whole array of films i might be in two of them bagel might be in one um and uh the tickets are free this is our gift to the moto community especially this year uh, during covid we can't have a real film festival so we do all the work and are doing it for free uh big thanks to some of our sponsors like law tigers and senna and strider bikes um they're all helping us out um but go to revsisters.com get your free ticket and uh yeah it's going to be online you can view it from anywhere in the world there you go excellent um so i did a thing uh i think uh, i think you all saw the thing here's the deal Uh when emma says go buy this thing just do it (laughs) yes right (laughs) yes boss Mm mm-hmm (laughs) exactly and a lot of you know um there's a certain bike that i've been obsessed with for decades i I think it is one of the coolest looking bikes ever made by honda and reminds me of battlestar galactica (laughs) (laughs) and one came available and emma saw the ad and she said go get it so i went and got it um and I will tell you, this Honda, it's a 1982 CX500 Turbo. Nice. Uh, the thing that's really cool about these turbos, it's the first Honda with fuel injection, first Honda with V-twin engine, first Honda with the, the turbo air induction. It has a mono shock. It has the track anti-dive front system, which I was trying to learn read up on that because i've never really understood it but it uses when you tap the brakes it actually pressurizes the forks to keep them from diving wow it's an anti-dive circuit right yeah exactly so a lot of firsts on this bike uh came out in 1982 at a bad time and sometimes you get great bikes with bad timing and uh, I think we were going through a recession then and didn't do well. So the next year they turned it into the CX650 Turbo, thinking if they gave it more juice that more people would want it. Um, and that lasted for two years, and then it 
went away. Um, I have to think too, with a bike with all this technology, it kind of reminds me a lot of the Africa twin that has all this new cutting edge technology. Um, it was quite the, the shit at the time. It really was. So um, there's one available that is in pieces, hasn't run in years. When I say in pieces, it's partially disassembled, like fairings off, stuff like that. Um, and unfortunately, the owner died, and his son is having to sell off his collection of 70 motorcycles. Wow. Yeah. And he never had it run. What else he got? Oh, dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Bunch of two-strokes. Yeah. Ooh. Any scooters? Uh, no scooters. Ah. Bunch of like Elsinores. Uh, he had an FJ1100 that's in good condition. Um, a bunch of bikes. Any two trucks, four bikes? No. Oh. Like CR250s, I think. Like dirt bikes? Mm-hmm. Here's into yeah, the 70s, 70s and 80s dirt bikes. So. We had the uh, the Honda 350R, uh, right? XL350. Yeah, really cool story because uh, he had an XR350R that I used to have. It's beautifully restored. I said, any chance you're selling it? He goes, no way. He pulls out a picture of him as a baby with his dad, huh. you know, sitting on the tank with his dad on that same bike. And apparently cool. that was like his dirt bike back in the day. And then it got stolen and was gone for 10 years. Wow. And then one day he got a call from like Montana State Police or something huh. saying, hey, we found your bike. <laughs> and he picked it up and he did a full resto on it and that is still sitting there. So his son is going to keep that one as a nice memento. But um, the, yeah, so the CX500 is one of those bikes that I've always adored but I've never wanted to own. And Bagel, maybe you'll, you'll understand this. I know it's going to be a disappointment to ride. Do you have any of those kind of scooters? Well, I mean, there, there, there are certain bikes that, you know, you wish would perform better than they do, but, but it's like, you know, you just have to appreciate it for what it is, you know? Yeah. So the CX-500, I'm looking at a model of one here in the studio, um, beautiful bike, but underpowered that 500 twin engine. I've had a bunch of CX-500s. It does the job, but it's not a powerful bike by any means. Uh And then when you throw on a turbo, I think when you hit like, 8,000 RPM or something, it's something spools up and and has like 85 horsepower. I think it goes from like 40 horsepower to 85 or something crazy, right? And it doesn't Uh stop. (laughs) It doesn't stop. And uh, I've yet to actually ride uh, a turbo from this generation, but what I do know about them is they spool up and they spool down. So there's a delay in taking off and in slowing. So it's it's death-defying is what I understand. I'm curious, Liza, you you talked about... um, you know, how you've always wanted one. And we talked about, you know, the advancements technology wise and the mm-hmm. interesting engine. But what, what, why, what, what about it really grabbed you? I mean, you know, your Kawasaki, the KZ 400, you know, you had an emotional mm-hmm. attachment for Spike, but this is, it was it just the oddity of it or what really? Well, you? Uh, Jim, as you know, I was going back and forth saying, I don't need another vintage bike. I don't need another project. I don't know if I want it. But then Emma said Lies. something. Emma said something. She said, you will never see one for sale again. Yeah. They're so, so just the rare that to find one at the price that I got it for, which was under two grand. Yeah. Um, in any condition. In any condition. Um, to get one at that price that was, you know, within two hours of my home. Um, knowing knowing that if, for whatever reason, life gets too hard and I never get around to it, I could just put the word out and somebody would buy it for the same price. 
So Easily. I figured, why not? Why not, right? It's not like yeah. I'm investing in something that I don't know if I'll ever get my money back. Yep. It's it's a rare bike, and it's a complete bike, I think. I don't know. I have to put all the pieces back on and see. And I have to get a – it has no key, so that's the biggest thing. But it came with a title and non-opt. So you had the conversation with the KZ400, what level of restoration you're going to do. So what level of restoration are you looking at with this bike open? I'm going to do whatever Emma tells me to do. <laughs> and You'll she, be plumbing the Emma, turbo Emma already so said, you're not allowed to put anything Chinese on that bike. <laughs> nice. Yes. That and she said, um, I have to get matching keys. So rather than piecemealing all the things, you have to buy a matching set that is the helmet locks, the gas tank and the ignition. So I thought it was interesting, Liza. Maybe talk a little bit like the condition the bike was in, you know, parts, ignition, and all that. The key so the stuff. bike is um, partially restored. Like it's got brand new tires. Looks well, like. Let me interrupt for a second because yeah. we we were talking when you were trying to get me to kind of be a sounding board for you mm -hmm. about buying the bike, and I'm like, just you're going to buy the thing. Don't don't sit there and rationalize it. <laughs> just buy the goddamn thing. But it was interesting to play forensics with the face. Was a Facebook post. Yeah. Like, what does this mean? You know, it's yeah, well, simple. The thing, so we had to kind of guess. That's detective work. The thing you don't want to do is get into a bike. Like, if it's a GB500, you don't buy one that's missing the seat, cowl, or tank. Those are unobtainium. Same with the PC800. You can't buy the fiberglass for it. CX500, common parts, but the CX500 Turbo, if it's missing any part of the Turbo or any of the plastics, which are unique to that bike... You're screwed. So that's the um, the downside to buying a bike that you don't know if it's all there and you don't know if it'll run what it'll take. Um, but what I was uh, trying to figure out is, so it said that it had a new ignition that came with it. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean by that? I talked to the owner. He said, well, um, it, when we got it, it was missing the keys. So my dad bought a new ignition but never installed it. Okay. So why would a bike be missing the keys? My guess is that that bike sat for a long time and possibly the owner before that died and then it had, was sold to somebody. So the bike's been sitting a long time and the fact that it has no keys tells me it kind of got pushed to the back or forgotten about. Well, and how many miles are on it too? Uh, 18,000, I think, 15,000, something like that. Yeah. Um, so having it is super clean. So yeah, having no, super clean. no keys to me was a good sign that the bike probably wasn't ridden and broke down and left. That I think something happened where maybe uh, somebody died or maybe there was a divorce or maybe who knows, right? Um, that the keys were lost and it got left and then the new person never ever got it running and he then he died and... You know what, I tell you what was really encouraging to me is a lot of time, you know, you're, you're dealing with people and we all know Craigslist and Facebook, we talk about it enough here, but once we got that dude on the phone, we were driving because your lies is trying to convince me to drive around in circles for a couple hours so we can go pick this thing up. And, um, but after we talked to the guy, super like clear, straightforward guy, he explained his father had passed away, he owned a ton of dirt bikes. So it was one of these things you had a lot of confidence that, you know, he, the kid was telling you everything he knew. And he was honest that he didn't know everything. He thought everything was there. He thought he knew the history of it. But just the fact he knew what he knew when his, he had just sold so many motorcycles. Um, but it was nice. Because up to then, I was kind of like, I don't know. Because it, it was odd he was selling so many different things. 
Mm-hmm. But again, a stand-up dude from a motorcycle family. His dad was a motorcycle guy. He was a motorcycle guy. And I think Liza, because someone wanted to buy it from underneath you, I think. And and it was a convincing thing, I think, where he was waiting for you to buy the thing, right? Because you had mentioned where you adopt bikes. Exactly. And and I think this was helpful in saying, when I talked to him, um, what I knew when somebody especially when like your father passes away and you're selling the bike you want to see it go to a new home and and a lot of you guys might understand this too when i sell a bike to me it's more of an adoption i'm trying to find the right home and what you don't want is it to just go to somebody who's going to either abandon the project or part it out because it's worth a lot in parts he said he had people offering what he was asking for the whole bike just to have a part shipped to them Jeez. But he didn't want to take it apart, and I get that. So I mentioned that that's not what I do. The Recycle Garage is about keeping bikes on the road and that I will see this through one way or the other, and I want to see this bike on the road again. And I think that meant something to him. So when someone else called who could get there sooner than I could, he gave he called me and gave me first a right of refusal. So um, that was that was Clay, decent guy. Thank you, Clay, if you're listening. And I can't wait to get into this project and uh, have it on the road again. Well, you know, I think it will be on the road. That's the cool part. You know, it will get ridden and, and it'll go down the road, which would be really cool. Exactly. It's a funky looking bike, though. I just love the, the you know the clutch covers facing forward. <laughs> just that old engine orientation. There's today. yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. Uh, well, that's because it's the uh, the V style engine, much like the Moto Guzzi engine, and it's oh, and that's also a drive shaft. I think it was one of the early drive shafts. There's so many things on this bike that were some of the first. So um, really cool. So uh, first, I got to get my brand new to me that I got that 690 Enduro I bought right before the trip. I got to finish working on that. Then I got to get the KZ 400 running. Then I'll get to this. So I got some, I got some stuff to do, but knock, you're going to help me, right? Yeah, sure. For sure. You know, uh, yeah, I think this I can, is- I can point at things and <laughs> just ideas and Emma's going to veto it. And I'm like, well, what'd you ask me for then? God damn it. Why you know we can bring the JB weld the wire we can you know do anything that we put our hearts desire to. One hundred percent. Um, I think though I think this will be a good um project for the garage and I think people may be interested in helping because it's such a curiosity and so don't like, you all want to try it? The- you all want to oh, try yeah. it, right? Yeah. So like you're going for the full resto, yeah? That's what's ha- what's happening with this thing. Um. Not I mean, not like a can, concourse obviously. resto. I mean, it's got two fairings, but both of them have like nicks. One just has better sticker work. Um, okay, I'm gonna. Were you, start- to, were you willing to like have it resprayed that level of resto or? You know what? I'm gonna take uh, Emma's advice because here's what I feel. Uh, for what I paid, whatever I put into it will hold that value. I've seen these go anywhere from thirty five hundred to fifteen thousand. Okay. Yeah, that's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. And yeah, so you go for about five or six grand, right? Basically. You know, I might put five, in five, ten grand. grand and it's worth eleven <clears throat> grand. You know, I think whatever you put into it, you can get back. It's that type of collectible bike, but it's not one that you're going to like flip and make a lot well, of the, money. Well, the big thing is just to get it running. You know, as yeah. soon as you can put a key in it and start it and it runs, you know, then you then you'll have a good idea from there what you want to do. But that's that's not why I have it. And you know, I'm at a point now where 
I used to have a lot of bikes that were just bikes that came to me by circumstance and opportunity. And what I have now, a lot of the bikes I have now are bikes that I purposely wanted or that are historically or um, sentimentally valuable to me, you know, Um, which is a great place to be to have your collection of a lot of bikes that are really all really important to you. And so this one is another one that just holds a place in my heart. Like I said, I've got this one six scale to me, a model that I've been hauling around the country for almost 30 years. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, do you have another bike that you're going to put up on the auction block? Or are you? Yeah, the KTM 990 SMT is ready to sell. Yeah. I think that's the next one I got to put up. Um, Charlie should buy that. Emma's advice. All the bikes. Yeah, Emma's <laughs> advice was to sell the KTM and put that money into the CX. There you go. Speaking nice. of Emma, she's on a, an adventure, not to change subjects, she's but I saw pictures adventure. of her through drive-through Redwoods and the Golden Gate Bridge and all sorts of things. Yeah, her and Michael McCarthy are having a lot of fun out there. She yep. should be back. Hey, guys, I think next week we're going to get the band back together. What do you think? In the all band right. back together. It, yeah, except for Charlie. Um, oh, <laughs> Oh, Charlie, okay. I'm giving you a heck. I'll have four fried chickens and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and one more announcement. Uh, right before we started this show, this recording, I went on our Facebook page, Recycle Santa Cruz, and posted that the new shirts are in. Did you hear that knock? Woo-woo. New shirts are in. Which new ones? The same design that I had for the Patreon uh, listeners uh, yeah. that were limited Sweet. edition, um, those all went out um, to all of our Patreon people, and I like the design so much. Uh, and like, Knock, when you wanted one, I didn't have a size for you. So yeah. I have uh, everything from small to double XL, not a huge amount. Again, I do a different shirt run every year, so it's somewhat limited. But yeah, if you're- Yeah, one, biggest. <laughs> okay. Acorn head. I don't know. Um, so if you are interested in getting one of these shirts, you can send a PayPal to recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com for the hefty sum of $25. I will ship it anywhere in the USA. There you go. So send an email to me or uh, send a payment with your shirt size. I'll get that out. And if you are not in the USA, send me an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. With your address, I will tell you how much the shirt and shipping will be. And we can go from there. Um, So I think think that's it. Um, Again, big thanks to uh, Knock and Bagel, and Emma for running everything while I was gone. Knock, I really enjoy listening to you uh, when you run the show. Oh, you're just saying that. No. That was fun. I remember listening to you and Bagel. It was great. You guys are are awesome. Yeah, and to Charlie and and Micah, I love, I was telling Charlie when he left today, I'm like, you know, I'm so proud of Micah to see how far she's gone. And just like with Jim, and Micah, who both came to the garage and non-riders and to see that their lives are become immersed with the riding and the culture and community. I just yeah. love that we are a conduit that can help open doors and introduce people to that. Well, it was like we have podcasts of them not riding motorbikes. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden they're riding, they're like teachers that ride motorbikes that teach people how to ride bikes. I, I think there's one awesome. like Micah talking about being a passenger or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And then now she's like a rock star in the motorcycling world right now. <laughs> I don't think my ego can handle her being a better rider than me. I'm 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 struggling with this right now. Just so you know, when I'm listening to her talking about getting faster and faster on the track and technique, I'm like, fuck. Do I need to take another track day and brush it? Yeah, up? you do. God yeah, damn, you it. Do. damn it. Well, Mike make way, no, you gotta. Make way, Liza. <laughs> Mike has been constantly taking classes this whole time. Where it's like, when's the last time any of us has taken any class? Jim and I took a class two months ago. Okay, before that. <laughs> <laughs> About five years. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then which class was that, Jim? Was that the beginner MSF? It was, uh, yeah, no, go-kart. <laughs> go-kart class with actually uh, Kanakaya. It was actually a lot of fun. Ripping oh, yeah, yeah. We took the Kanakaya class. Yeah, Superbike coach. So there, so we, yeah, Charlie. That well, I mean, it's just like you can really thing. build skill level very quickly by just taking classes, getting professional help. Oh, my God. <laughs> I threw a herd of cows, man, then talked to me. Bullshit track, man. <laughs> I go, these motherfucking cows were jumping off cliffs, going through rivers. It was crazy. Actually, Charlie, I'm going to predict when you are going to take your next class. Let me predict. Uh, let's Is it because Jocelyn just texted you? I'm going to predict August 29th. <laughs> August 29th, I'm predicting you're going to take your next class. Yes, that's all. So we'll see how that goes. Good luck riding a log, son. <laughs> oh, is that happening? Uh, it may be happening. I'm trying to set it up. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, Who's going to be the first one to do the roller coaster? Dude. Yeah. Let's, I, I think it's going to be Charlie. Me, I think Charlie will do it. For me, the competition isn't who can do it. It's who can knock out the most pieces of it on their bike. Who can break it the most. Who can break it the most. Right now, I hold the record, I believe. Yeah, because it's a lot of fun sitting there watching somebody have to screw pieces of metal and <laughs> instead of actually trying it. So, yeah. I know. Anyway, it was fun. So I think that wraps up. Um, you know what? Hey, you guys remind me next week. I think it's time to do another Patreon prize pack giveaway. I still got a bag of swag. I'm going to pull some stuff out and start giving away more stuff. I love giving away stuff. We gave, Remember all those Evil Knievel toys we gave away? That was fun. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. fun. That was you got to awesome. give away some of those climb gloves that you bought? <laughs> no. You know what? I'm going to just keep them still with all the tags on it. Just hang them, hang them around my house. It's just little, little <laughs> memento. It'll be like the mistletoe. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to hide one of them. Oh, well, I got one last thing to say. Yeah. Um, thank you, Liza, for being a wonderful travel companion. You know, when COVID blew up, I had a bunch of trips planned, Moab being one. Uh, we were going to go to Carrizo Plain being another with mm -hmm. uh, Motorbird Adventures, et cetera, and Law Tigers. But you actually came up with the idea to rent an RV and put bikes on the back and i was foolish enough to agree and we i thought we had a lot of fun i mean i it's rare that you're stuck i've never been stuck in an rv with someone for two weeks but i yeah thank you for the inspiration really thank you for rolling with my oddities we won't talk about the uh <laughs> stuff. <laughs> some of the things will remain uh between us but thanks for the inspiration thanks for being a great travel partner and again uh a tour guide and opening my eyes to motorcycles yeah, thank great. you. It was a lot of fun. And uh, you guys won't believe how many times we were having a great moment and we said, can you imagine if Knock is here, how much it would suck? <laughs> <laughs> it would be so bad. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Here, here was the, the recipe to success, right, Liza? Tell me if I'm wrong. Here's the recipe. A, show up, mm -hmm. right? Just do it. Just get out. Just go yeah. somewhere. Bagel knows what show I'm talking up. about. Um, and then, 
you know, if you show up prepared, all the better. And just show up open-minded, but just get out there, be open-minded and positive and, uh, and meet people. And it's, it, it's a simple recipe. Um, so yeah, do it. Yeah, no, honestly, there were times where I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if Knock was here and Bagel, like Bagel, he's just oh, yeah. so easy to get along with. And then there are even times I'm like, oh man, Charlie and Micah would enjoy this. And like, oh man, can you imagine if we had Emma right now? Oh, Let's yeah, be honest, so Liza. I think within the first four and a half minutes of being in uh, Michelle's place in Custer at the chalet, you were like, we've got to get everybody here next year. We need everyone here. Miss <laughs> <laughs> nice. Fitzroy. Bring the party, huh? Exactly. Uh, there's just so much there to offer. So that's it. That is our ride report from the Fartin' Fussin' and Fun road trip. Mm-hmm. Nice. And 17 black, let it ride. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So um, I think that's going to be it. Um, We will get back into the swing. I I, I still have bags to unpack. Uh, Hopefully by next week, get back into things and um, start booking some guests. Uh, You know, I got a lot more ideas, especially like after being at the climb factory and realizing that it's an American company. I'm like, I want to like, I want to interview them, find out more about, making gear like there there's so many more things we can deep dive into you know yeah uh, yeah yeah well, there's more to do so i'll start working on that but uh on that note go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com you'll find our links there you'll find our back issues uh everything and especially don't forget to go to revsisters.com click on uh film festival and get your free ticket to the film festival august 13th through 16th black hills moto film festival uh we have another one that we're going to be start working on soon for the fall the uh new jersey moto film festival that's going to be happening too aka hookers and condoms (laughs) (laughs) seagulls and dumpsters what is that one yeah we were working on the logos what we were working on the logo for it what, what was new? What did it end up being? A stripper pole and a seagull a fat, a fat or something? Stri- yeah, a fat stripper on a pole and <laughs> a dumpster, I think. Anyway, we were teasing. New Jersey is beautiful, and it's a whole other style of riding and it's more things place. to discover there. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And again, thank you, Knock, Charlie, Bagel, yeah. for holding down man. the fort. I so appreciate yep. that you guys keep things going while we're We only made, like, three fires. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and thank you to Emma for uh, running the show. And then thank you to Micah for babysitting Emma. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think it's time to get out of it. Thanks again, everyone. This is Liza. This is not Bagel. Charlie, don't crash motorcycles. And shout out to the Leatherettes down under. This is Naked Jim. Yippee Kaye, mother. Oh, yeah. We're out. <laughs> and we are out of here. Cool, cool. cool.